The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union now offers Cultivate Farm Finance and is ready to support local farmers. Cultivate is a farm finance option available from 40 credit unions around Ireland, including Access and Bantry Credit Unions here in West Cork. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by their credit union. To find out more, go to www.accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate or call on 028-21883. Cultivate is a loan specifically designed for farmers that provides short to medium term loan opportunities built specifically around the growing needs of our farming members. Close your eyes and pull like a and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. Our guest today is Cork GAA CEO Kevin O'Donovan, who's been speaking to Kieran about a whole host of subjects, including Ed Sheeran concerts at Park Aquive, stadium debt, divisional boards, and much more. And Kieran, I assume you also touched on the state of the Cork senior men's and women's football team so before we hear from kevin we might just quickly touch on the results from last weekend because we didn't get a chance to talk about them on tuesday's podcast so briefly another bad weekend i think it's fair to say for keith ricken and shane renane yeah it was a bad day at the office for for both keith and shane and looking at the cork men's footballers first i don't think we expected cork to go to Derry and win up there this is a a Derry team on the way up and this is a Cork team trying to find out who they are and what direction they're going so it was no surprise that that, that Derry won that game I think it was nine, nine points in the end but it was a disappointing for Cork again um, scored seven points in total just three from play um, Stephen Sherlock got five points it was good to see the, the Bears lads were back in there but we had Paul Kerrigan on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and we touched on Cork's over-reliance on Brian Hurley and we were asking what would happen on a day where Brian Hurley was kept quiet. And that happened last weekend. Um, Derry kept Brian Hurley scoreless and Cork finished up with just seven points. And like I said, three from play. So there is an over-dependence on Brian Hurley, even at this early stage of the year. I was working out the stats just before before the, the Derry game. Brian had accounted for 49.7% of Cork scores um, through the McGrath Cup and the league. So basically he's got half of Cork scores. And that's, that's just not going to work going forward because... The good teams will suss Cork out, and, and that's borrowing Paul Kerrigan's phrase from a couple of weeks ago. Derry kept Hurley quiet, and, and look what happened. So um, there's a lot for Keith Ricken to work on in the weeks and months ahead. But, we, but that's something we already know, and 
Cork go into um, it's Galway at home now, five o'clock in Parky Creeve on Saturday. And to be realistic again, it's it's a game you can't really see Cork winning. So what that means, Cork will go into their last three games away to Mead, home to Down, and away to Offaly, probably needing two wins to avoid relegation. So it's always a mini group coming up. We can put the, the Galway game to one side. If, if Cork gets something from Galway on Saturday, that's a bonus. That'd be a bonus point or bonus two points. But it's all about the last three games and hoping that Cork can get enough points there to avoid relegation. But if they don't, well, then they don't deserve to be in Division 2. OK, well, we might talk in a bit more depth about the Galway game after we hear from Kevin. But briefly on the women's team, Shane Renane, two games, two losses. Now, admittedly, against both All-Ireland finals from last season. So no alarm bells ringing just yet. But he seemed to be quite disappointed with the performance of his players, uh, judging by his comments after the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the lines that stood out for me from Shane Ronin after the, the, I think it was a 12-point loss to Dublin Cork Park last Saturday, he said it bordered on embarrassing at times. And he called his team out on, on their work rates and they didn't work hard enough. They didn't match Dublin. And when you don't do that, you're not going to win. So that's a, a damning assessment from Shane Ronin in just his second game in charge. And it's almost like he he needs a reaction now. He needs a reaction off Cork. And their next game is a couple of weeks' time against Waterford. And the way the, the ladies' football league is this year, there's Division 1, there's two groups of four. And Cork have played two games. They've lost to Mead and they've lost to Dublin. Like we said, no shame there. Mead and Dublin are the best two teams in the country right now. But what that means is Cork can't qualify for the semi-finals of the league. What it does mean is that they could get pulled down into the relegation battle. So when Cork hosts Waterford, and I think it's the weekend after next... Um, 5th of March, I think, yeah. The loser of that game was into the relegation... Yeah, the loser of that game was into the relegation playoff. So there's, there's a lot on the line for, for Cork going into that game. It's a game you'd expect Cork to win because they are a better team than Waterford. But judging by what we saw against Dublin the last day, they really have to pull their socks up to, to, to avoid an embarrassing home defeat to Waterford. I can't see that happening. I think Cork will have enough for, for Waterford. And we might even see the more Abbey contingent back in because it's almost worth, that's definitely worth noting that the likes of Kira Sullivan, Dyrna Sul- Sullivan, Eber Meany, Maura Callan, Laura Fitzgerald, Mavo Sullivan, Breed O'Sullivan, all these Mornaby players haven't been part of the Cork setup so far because Mornaby went so deep into the Ireland Club Ladies Senior Football Championship. So um, disappointing start for Shane Ronane, but if they can beat Waterford, um, they'll keep their Division 1 status and then it's almost okay, box ticked, and then they can look ahead to the Championship. Okay, well, we'll of course. Um have much more in-depth previews of that Waterford game closer to the time in both the Southern Star and on the Star Sport podcast. But for now, we're going to switch gears and go to your interview, Kieran, with Kevin O'Donovan, the Cork GA CEO. And before we hear from him, I just kind of want to get your own take on Kevin himself and his performance in the role so far. He's been in the role a number of years now. He's had a chance to kind of find his feet and now he's very much settled so your own assessment has his uh, appointment to the role been uh, positive and do you think overall he's performed well as the Cork GA CEO I think it was a kind of shrewd appointment at the time because Kevin is very very switched on he knows the game um, inside out and back to front and in fairness to the likes of Kevin O'Donovan and even the previous Cork County Board Chairperson Tracy Kennedy um, and Omar Sheen is the, is the chairperson right now They've been at the helm of Cork GA during a very turbulent period. When you think of Parky Cueve, the, the, the redevelopment of Parky Cueve and the debt that's associated with, with Parky Cueve. And that's what we touch on now in the chat coming up with Kevin O'Donovan because um, 
I think the debt is somewhere between 20 and 30 million. I think the long-term debt is 20 million. So that's an awful lot of money for Cork GA to have to pay off over the next 10 or 15 years. So it's not an easy job that Kevin O'Donovan and the, and the county board and the executive have on their hands. But when you look at some of the changes they brought in, and I'm going to go straight away to the county championships, we're going into the third year of the restructured county championships, where that's where you have our our, our, our different tiers, let's say football, Premier Senior Football, Senior A, um, and Premier Intermediate, Intermediate A, and, and so on, where you've 12 teams, you've uh, three groups of four, um, there's almost Champions League style format where you're guaranteeing competitive games. I think that's been a huge success. And that will have a knock-on effect at county level at some stage because it's raising the standards in, in the county. And it just takes a couple of seasons for a format like that to almost... Um, to find its own feet because teams will find their levels. If we go back a couple of years ago, there were teams up in the Cork Senior Football Championship, for example, that shouldn't have been up there because they were just up there to hold on to their status to say they were a senior football club, but they had no hope in hell of winning the competition. So they used to go out, they might win their one game every year and that would guarantee their senior status for the next year. But that wasn't serving them any good in the long run because they were just training to win one game to survive. They weren't training to, to win a competition but now we have this tiered structure in Cork GA, which I think will serve Cork GA better in, in the long run. And I'm going to use um, Donnie's as an example. They were a senior football club a couple of years ago. They weren't going to win the senior football championship. They were regraded as a senior A football team. And last season, for the first time in, in a long time, Donnie's won three football championship games in a row. They got to the senior A um, semi-final last agonisingly to St. Michael's, like heartbreaking they were, but in seconds of getting through to the county final were Donnie's, but they, but they missed out. But they can look forward to this year's Senior A Football Championship saying, Jesus, we could do something here. We could win. And there's momentum behind that and it's great for the club. So I think from, from that point of view, the, the restructuring of the, the county championship, that's been a big plus point. And when it comes to Parky Creep, like you mentioned there, like that's a kind of a, a hot topic because we know the couple of the Cork Corners and the Cork Footballers, uh, two months of championship games have been moved from late April, early May because of the Ed Sheeran concerts. And as we hear from Kevin now, it's 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 necessary. I know probably not popular with, with Cork fans that they're losing out in two home games at Parky Creep. But when you consider the debt that Parky Creep has and that the, the boost that holding an Ed Sheeran concert would give Cork GA, you can see why they've decided, okay, let's move these games, let's hold the concert, because the sooner this debt is paid off, the better for Cork GA. And um, I remember when the news came out first that uh, the Cork footballers game was being moved to Parky Ring. I was like, ah, oh, Jesus, that's not, I, you know, I was kind of, I was in two minds. But the more I think about it, the more it just makes sense. It does. Um, well, to be really, um, to be really blunt about it as well, there's going to be a better atmosphere for a Cork senior football game at Parky Rin because we know over the last number of years there hasn't been huge attendances, even at some of the bigger championship games. I know a good crowd stayed after the hurling a couple of weeks ago, but like Cork championship game in Parky Rin, you'll have a strong cohort of Cork G or Cork football fans there, and they'll create an atmosphere that can be lost at times in Parky Creeve. 100% and Kevin makes the point too and it's a very good point now that sounds like I'm absolutely on board for Ed Sheeran to replace um, GA matches at, at, at Harky Cueve forever and a day but I'm just uh, kind of playing devil's advocate no, would you consider where this Cork football team is in their development right now and we saw what happened in the McGrath Cup final a couple of weeks ago and that was that was a pre-season competition but we look back at last year's Munster final in Killarney when a full string carry hockey the full string Cork by like a record margin 
And I'm thinking, if you send this Cork team down to Clarny right now against the Kerry team, that's even better. Like, that's not going to do this Cork team any favours. Um, that's right. Leave them play in Parky Ring. Have a good atmosphere there because you could have that ground almost packed. Hopefully it will be packed. And just let Kerry, make Kerry a bit uncomfortable inside in a small, tighter ground and get a good good Cork support there and give this young Cork team a chance there. Um, so I think I think that makes sense. And moving the Cork hurdlers game against Clare, the Torlis, like that Cork play there, soften in a way the hurdlers. Yeah. I think that make, makes much of a difference. Um, so yeah, I can I can see a lot of sense in it. When it came out first, I was saying, I was, I was like, like I said, I was in two minds and I was like, Jesus, why didn't they just give this game send Cork footballers down to Clarny and then let Kerry all Cork a game? But the more you think about it, yeah, and the more you use a bit of sensible rationale about where Cork football is right now, it just makes sense. It makes sense to play that. Let's let's get the thoughts of the man himself, the decision maker in all of these decisions. It's the Cork GAA CEO, Kevin O'Donovan. We're delighted now to be joined on the Star Sport Podcast by Cork GA CEO Kevin O'Donovan for a talk about all things Cork GAA. But before we we chat, the, the, I suppose the serious business, Kevin, I have to congratulate you. A couple of weeks ago, Kilmeade won the 2020 Carberry Junior C Hurling Final. So you've completed your collection of junior medals here in Carberry. So that's a, that's a feat in itself. But... Aside from that, how much do you still enjoy actually playing the game? And is it almost a, a good distraction from the day job? Um, more of more a case of keeping the link than a distraction, I suppose. So I've, I've a strong passion about games programs and making sure that every kid from five years up until as long as people want to play have a program of games. So I think it's nice to keep in touch with the generation now playing. I'm, I'm long past that stage but just to hear them chat and to look at what they're looking for from the game. And some lads want it very competitive and some very elite and other guys want a social outlet. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not hard to be close to the ground in that regard. Um, when I'm in a position, I suppose, where I can influence what that games programme looks like. 100%. And like I said, huge congrats on, on completing your, your collection of Carberry Junior hurling medals. But turning to, I suppose, to, to, to Matters Cork G8, the Rebels' bounty draw, the deadline is looming this week. Um, the second year of it, it was a big success last year. How is it going so far this year? And have you seen a more, even a bigger buy-in from clubs across the county into the Rebels' bounty draw? Well, I, I think last year was a major challenge, getting up get it up and running for the first time but also we had the benefit of COVID where clubs had little activity and were very focused on it and this year it has to fit into the fabric of the club and teams coming back training and affiliation and people cutting the grass on the pitch for the first time and so on so it's facing a different challenge but as usual the clubs are standing tall and there's a great response we we because of the late volume of sales we've pushed a deadline out now of our draws were to be on this thursday they're now gone back to next tuesday night we'll have the january and february draws before the county board meeting at 7 p.m so look this is a club draw the the, the county board benefits in this draw are limited that was seen by our council last year it's really to stimulate activity and um stimulate the finances of clubs so we think it'll be a big success again this year. And again, I suppose the key with it is we see it as a sustainable model. Mm -hmm. So it's over a decade, we'll be judging it. But a brilliant first year, hopefully a very good second year, and more importantly, a strong decade of activity then where clubs can build their structures around it. And is it encouraging to see clubs? I'm just thinking of social media the last couple of weeks, like all the, the different clubs, their social media accounts, they're pushing the Rebels bounty draw, they're encouraging their members to get involved. But to, to have that buy-in, like you said, once 
once clubs reach a certain threshold, they get to keep up money they raised in and they can pump that back into their clubs, which is fantastic for them. But just to see that buy-in, it must be encouraging from your point of view. Yeah, and that's the mindset we're looking for is where they take ownership of it. We've always said Rebels Bounty is a franchise model where we'll, we'll design it, we'll set it up, we'll do the admin, we'll do the IT. But really it's up to the club to grab it then and, and most have at this stage. And I suppose some of the very strong objectors last year have come on board. So again, I'm not sure we'll be blowing sales targets out through the roof this year, but we will have everybody on board. And that's a that's a victory in itself, because that means the thing can sustain itself and run over the next, you know, I'd see it as being a 10-year project. And we're into year two now. Sticking with matters off the, off the pitch. Special Congress is on this Saturday and it promises to be a big one. The main topic will be voting on the new structure of the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. And there's, there's two options. There's a red option and and the, the, the green option as well. You were speaking recently, I think, at a county board meeting, Kevin, where you were saying you're proposing that Cork follows the, 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 supports the green option. Can you explain what the green option is and why you think it's the better of the two? Well, well, it's the green option or status quo. So let's be very clear on that. And I think the status quo, you know, has passed its sell by date at this stage. So while I have a lot of qualifications on the green proposal, it is better than what we have. And what the green proposal is, is something for everybody really and and you know i would say that's one of its flaws is we'll have the national league then you'll go into a knockout monster football championship and after that the 32 teams in ireland in the senior championship will split into two 16s one being the sam Maguire and one being the talton cup um, and groups of four, four groups of four which was very much the model so i suppose we were all in favor of maybe five ten years ago where it's let's call it the champions league format so you'll have the National League, you'll have a knockout monster championship played over weekend after straight knockout over, you know, a very narrow series of weekends. And then you go to Champions League. Of course, all you know, others believe it's not the best model, but it's 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 Mr. Right now rather than Mr. Right, perhaps. And I'd wholeheartedly support it. Albeit, we all know it fixtures, even with our own county championships. You get what you can past, and then there's future iterations. And it's usually model two, model three, when the thing gets perfected. So I think it'll be fantastic to get this over the line on Saturday. It is going to sail through. It'll probably get through in over 90%. So there won't be a matter of contention at Congress the next day. But I hope it will be the start of change rather than the end of it. Obviously, it's far from the finished article, the proposal that's been put forward. But you feel it's just a step in the right direction on the journey for to take this football championship to... Yeah, group stages means you've got regular meaningful games, as we saw in our own championships. That's the starting point. After that, then, you can look at relegation, you can look at who qualifies, you can look at number of games, you can look at quality of games. But for a start, once you establish groups, you've put down a bedrock, you can build on that then. Obviously, the the vote and the outcome on Saturday will have an impact on, on, on Cork football and the Cork senior football team. And it's no secret right now that there's a huge rebuild going on with the with the Cork senior football team. Um, was that almost part of the thinking when Keith Rickon was given the job, Kevin, that he's a man capable of undertaking a, a huge rebuild like this? Yeah, absolutely. And, and his team that he brought on board as well, like you wouldn't have seen his, his background team as strong as that previously with so many selectors and so many people of high level you know, taking on roles in the back room, let's say. And I think that was that was what we were trying to achieve. We all know what's ahead for Cork football. We all know it's been a tough decade. We're all hoping for it to bottom out at some stage. I, I think it has done. Um, and I think we have the right management. 
now we're going through a difficult process of finding out who are the right players and there's dropouts and and people putting up their hand and we're on the road like in Derry the last day you'll soon find out above in in Derry and Owen Beg in the centre of excellence who's got the stuff in for this um, so we're going through that process now so I'd say we've established the right management team we're going through a process you know Keith has used the bones of 50 players probably 50 to 100 players on the books at different stages that's a process we have to suffer through mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be an annual process it's not healthy to do it on an annual basis creating new manager new broom and short-term pain long-term gain almost in society nowadays people want everything instant whether it's instant messaging instant coffee everything has to be no 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 but it's almost the message with Cork football right now Let's be patient. This is going to take time. It just feels like it's a line in the sand moment. What what Keith is trying to do because it's the it's the whole approach he's he's trying to change. So is that almost a message to the Cork fans out there? Just give this football team, give this Cork football team a chance to find its feet and don't judge it till a couple of years down the line. Yeah, and then to recognise where we are, we know where we are. We're either a middle middle tier Division Two league team or we're bottom. And, and that's going to play out over the next month. But, you know, look, it was the long drive home from Derry the last day for everybody. Imagine how the players felt. You know, people were quite down after the game. It was a difficult, difficult experience. Um, but we all know that we'll come to those last three games against Meads, Offaly and Down with everything to play for. Everything. We'll be playing for our lives at that stage. So while the results so far have been disappointing, albeit some good patches against Clare, we're, we're alive and kicking. Our team has to fight on. The team, the players, the management don't have time to get despondent, don't have time to feel sorry for themselves. It is still game on here. Um, and as we know with the format changes that you've referred to for counties, such as Cork, who are outside the top tier, league is almost taking precedence over championship. Almost. I can't say it is. When we play Kerry and Parky Ring, that will still be number one. But our results against... And we know we've got away this weekend, but our results in those final three games against our fellow strugglers, they will determine our fate. So I think everything is still up for grabs. And we were talking about the Cork footballers. That leads us nicely on, I suppose, to the, the Parky Cueve, Parky Ring debate, because obviously it's 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 Galway against Cork this Saturday evening in Parky Cueve. But one big game that won't be played in Parky Cueve in a couple of months' time is the Cork and Kerry Munster semi-final that has been now been moved to Parky Ring on Saturday, May 7th. And that's to accommodate the Ed Sheeran concerts that are on in Parky Cueve at the end of at, at the end of April. It's, obviously, it's not ideal to move the Cork footballers and the Cork hurlers as well. But is it almost a necessary short-term pain again? Because this can help service the debt on Parky Cueve. And do people need to kind of look at it from that perspective that, OK, it's not ideal, but look at a bigger picture here? Yeah, and, and those are the decisions we're faced with here every day, you know, commercial reality versus our games. And I suppose my passion is always for the games, and that is our modus operandi. But in the short term, we've got to consider what are best for our games in the long term. And if we want to put more GDAs in the ground, and we want to invest in primary schools coaching, and we want to invest in Rebel Oak, we need to clear the stadium debt as soon as possible. And Ed Sheeran and others are the route to clearing of that debt. So unfortunately, in the short term, you have to put concerts over games. Not to my liking, not done easily, done in discussion with stadium board, with county executive, the pros and cons, the commercial viability of the building. Um, so it is a decision made with a heavy heart. 
and one that we would accept people are not happy with. Mm. But I guess that's what it is to, you know, possibly be in government. You're the one that has to make those calls. We made it and we'll review it again. I would have misgivings about it. Then other days, you know, I look at the bank repayments and, and brings back a, a cold dose of reality. Our clubs approved the decision to build the stadium. We are where we are. It's time to fight our way out. We did do our best to get the best deal for our teams in context. The best deal would be that they'd be playing in Parker Keith. We felt then, look at the context of that, the footballers, given our struggles in Killarney last year, would it be fair to send a new young team down there again this year? I said, no, judgment call. We'll put the team first, Parky ring, albeit that some of our spectators may not get a ticket for the game. Flip that over for the hurlers then. And we know the grow the hurlers have for Thurless and the large hurling following we have. On that occasion, the ball bounced in favour of the spectators. And we said, look, judgment call. More important to go to Thurless and get a full crowd in. And our hurlers have no objections going to Thurless. In parallel with that, the Cork hurlers had a very strong objection to the format that was in place whereby Cork would have had three weekends off this year and then three games in a row, or three, a three-week, not three weekends off, a three-week break and then three weekends on. They were very much against that. So after serious lobbying, that was overturned. And now Cork have a much more favourable format in terms of playing week to week, and they're happy to go to Thurless. So as you can see in this game, you're juggling politics, Munster Council, bank debt, our teams winning games, our supporters, and all I'd say is in the end, we have to make judgment calls and we, we live or buy this decision. Um, and, and that's the job. Obviously, we've, we talked about the, the parky Cueve debt there. And have you any kind of ballpark figure in your head in terms of years? Like, are we talking 10, 15, 20 years before Cork GA can pay off and pay off this debt that's on parky Cueve? And, and then how much do concerts help pay off that debt? Yeah, well, the parky Cueve debt is going to be it's for a generation. So like, I think 10 to 15 is reasonable. 20 would be an outside number, but we, we need to get clear of it by then. Concerts allow you to make sudden leaps, let's say. So, okay, there is business here on a day-to-day basis and meetings and events, albeit limited. There is income from matches, albeit limited. So the concerts, you know, are, are possibly in the future other sporting events allow you to take a leap, allow you to take a bite out of the mortgage. Because if you're just going to pay it back in installments, then it's 20 years. Mm. So that's what concerts allow. And it was built in, it was built in that way. The stadium was paid for in the 70s from that. You need sudden shocks of injections of cash into the business. And that's what concerts give. Um, balancing that then, which is what our modus operandi is, for that pitch to be available, for the club players at Cork to play their county finals and for the Cork senior hurlers and footballers. And remember, minors and 20s have had much more access to Parky Keith in recent years. In the you know previous times, you'd see the Cork under-20s playing their championship game in Parky Ring. Now those games are in Parky Keith. Camogie ladies football, never seen here before. Now it's their home venue. So I'd like people, when they look at the context of concerts, and wondering, have we sold our souls? I'd like them to just balance it out and say what activity goes on in the stadium. We have our Kamoki team playing here on Saturday evening. That's not even a matter for debate. Now, when that request comes in, it's, it's a reply email. It's not discussed at any committee level. It's their home venue as long as they want it. I, and look at all the county finals we put in here last November when the pitch was on its knees and we still put in as many county finals as we could. And there's pitch invasions after each match. 
and we accommodated those as well, given how special it was for people. So I'd like people would just take it all in context, look at the balance and see that we're acting in good faith. And given the boost that holding a concert like the Ed Sheeran concerts at the end of April will have the Parky Cueve, is the message from Cork GA2 to almost promoters out there that we're, we're open to conversations over the years ahead? If there's if there's big acts who are looking to come to Ireland that Parky Cueve is putting his hand up and say, come down here to Cork, we have a great venue here and let us see, can we, can we work together on this? Yeah, and that, and that applies to event planning and engagement with residents and so on. We always want to make this a, a welcoming venue. And there are competitors in the market and we have a special niche where we can fit outside of Crow Park and the Crow Park have a different game schedule to us where they'll be busy in July with all Ireland finals. We'll be busy in, you know, May with Munster Championship. That's why these May, that's why these late April concerts are always going to be a challenge. But yeah, definitely open for business and good relationship with promoters and those conversations are already happening about 2023 and beyond. So it's an ongoing conversation. The acts come on world tour, so we don't get to dictate dates to acts. They're on the tour. They're going to be coming to London, Europe, and so on, and they're going to be coming to Ireland. So when people say, why don't you put the concert on a week later or a week earlier? Not that simple. They're the ones on the schedule. We get offered, and then we can pitch up. So, yeah, definitely open for business. And I think a great tradition of concerts here as well, albeit that we have a much better facility now. So lots more to come. You mentioned there too, Kevin, about the, the, the Cork and Bogie team are playing in Parky Cueve on, on Saturday before the Cork and Galway men's football team. And I, I know as well at, the, at Congress, it's about the integration of the LGFA and the Camogie Association with the GA. And this has been something that's been talked about for, for, for years and years. Do you think it's about time that this happens now, that the LGFA and Camogie come under that GA umbrella and it's the one organisation going forward? Yeah, we're well, we're, we're into overtime on that debate at this stage. It, it should happen. I think it's important that the G, in terms of, let's call it the G and the narrow definition, the men's organization at Congress, wholeheartedly endorse this and push the agenda. Um, because I suppose it might be seen at times that we're the opponents of change when I think, it, you know, that's not always the case. So I think it's vital that we are very clear in our position, albeit that there, it's a little bit more complicated than people think in terms of facilities, pitches, referees, and so on. Um, and I think there's great cooperation between the bodies. It shouldn't be cooperation. It should just be one entity. We are working from the same pool. But I do think significant investment is required and we should be pitching up to government as well in terms of investment in facilities here because we all know that is now with shared facilities. There's massive demand and I don't see it as men's and ladies. You see, I just see it as the GA. But if we're going to keep expanding the organisation, which we want to do, we're going to have to pitch up with resources as well then. But I think for Saturday, clear, unambiguous statement that the group represented at Congress, which is the men's game, are fully on board for full 100% integration. I know the Camogie and ladies football have nuanced relationships then. And, you know, ladies football is probably more financially secure than Camogie and so on. I accept that the debate is a little bit more complicated than that. But on Saturday, clear, unambiguous statement. Before we finish up, I just want to bring it back down to very local le level and talk about, I suppose, the future of divisions here in Cork. And I'm thinking of the Carby division, the Bear division, Muskery, and so on. Um, first off, from divisional teams competing in the in the county senior championships in the last couple of years, we've seen the the Carby hurlers unable to, for one reason or one reason or another, compete. And I know the the Carby footballers they feel sometimes that the the the, the county championship schedule is so squeezed that it doesn't it, it doesn't suit them. 
what do you think the future holds for divisional teams in the senior championships, Kevin? Will there always be room for them or will it come to the point where a call will have to be made? I think there'll always be room for them as long as the players in those divisions want to play. So there, there's no question mark over the Johello footballers, for example. They, you know, and they have as many games as anyone, and there are, a lot of them are playing dual as well. So they, they want to play. They feel the team difficult at times. They get caught with tight schedules. We can't talk playing on a Friday night and Johello playing on a Sunday evening, or perhaps worse. We can't get out of that because our program is based around giving the club player regular, meaningful games. So. We could go back to the old days and have knockout championships in May and knock everybody out and then we'll have divisional teams and everyone will be happy. But that's not our objective. Our objective is give every club player regular meaningful games so the divisions get squeezed. Now, it's not a problem of the last two years either since the new format came in. I've been involved with Carberry Hurling. I was at Carberry Convention 20 years ago when there was a proposal to pull the team off the championship because the players didn't want to play. So that push and pull is always happening there'll be a place for divisional teams. That principle is established. There was a board fought by, bought by a club maybe three years ago to uh, county convention and it was wrongly defeated. So their place is safe, but it is up to the players involved to express a desire to play. We've come up with the best option we think is possible is to play in a particular window with the weaker divisions in the June period before the clubs get busy with championship activity um, and then the Michaelis and the Dohallos join them at a later date. We think that's the lesser of all evils. Now that model will be played out over the next couple of years and we'll see then. There's no agenda. There's no one trying to get rid of divisional teams. But there's only so many days in the week. And our main objective is that every club player, you know, 400 adult teams in the county get regular meaningful games. And, and we let the cards fall where they may after that. Looking then, I suppose, at the future divisional boards themselves, and I'm thinking of, of let's say, say Beira and Carberry, obviously here in Southern Star Territory. What is the future for divisional boards? I know before they express concerns that their that their power might be diluted to a small bit. But can you can you see divisional boards serving the same purpose in years to come, or do you think their their role will be altered? I think that there's likely to be change in terms of roles simply because of. Look, the divisions were fantastic structures and set up, with, with, you know, and served us all incredibly well. And I think there's still going to be a role. So do do I see my own club, Kilmeade, still wanting to win the Southwest, Mick McCarthy, for the next hundred years? Yes, I believe so. And I believe that's the, the model. I think it works well. But do we need more than that? Yeah, possibly. I think regional leagues are good. I think regional leagues would actually safeguard the division because you'd have less teams wanting to leave for a championship if they got more games in leagues. I think you'll see them in 2023 and the divisions have largely bought into that. The unevenness in divisions is obviously a major challenge. When you've 21 teams in the Junior A Football Championship in Calgary and you've, you've won in Beira, um, you, have, you, have, you have an issue there if you're going to run them through the same model. So the recent change might assist there in that regard, in regard to Oren going into the Premier Junior. It'll take another team out of Carberry, lessen their numbers. I know Carberry are going through a relegation process at the moment. So the unevenness is something that probably needs to be addressed. Whether that's divisions combining for competitions, whether that's, uh, you know, divisions having an extra nomination to come out in the county, I think everyone accepts this, that there's an unevenness there. Another point in, and I looked at the provinces in the same way as this, one is structures, coaching, administration, board meetings, the need for a local organisation, that's one thing. You have the same in the provinces. And then the other one is games and competitions. And one thing that we're very clear on a county board level is 
we feel now we've established the principles of group stage championships, three championship games for each player minimum, relegation, and tiered structures whereby teams don't float in grades anymore. You're either fighting to win it or fighting to avoid relegation. You're not just a, a floater in the middle in a 20-team competition, for example. And we intend that those principles will be extended to every player in Cork. We want to do that through the divisional model. So I think that's where your reform might come, is if you establish principles of, of games programmes, and then you see, can we root that through the existing structures rather than knocking the house down and building new ones? So, and I, I already see the divisions trying to bring in those structures. I see them trying to bring in relegation. I see them trying to bring in group stages. I see them trying to grade competitions um, to make them more competitive. So I would see a new future for the divisions, keeping the history, but with a degree of change that we brought to our own competitions to keep them vibrant. Final question. So, Kevin, and you're just touching it there. I know Carby's going through its process at the moment in trying to figure out its championship, let's say junior football, for, for the year ahead and how that's going to look. But you touched it there. That Champions League style format, those those groups of four, given given club players meaningful games, like we've seen it work so, so well at county club level over the last two seasons. Do you think so? It's important that divisions, not just Carby, but other divisions where they can try and implement a similar sort of sort of championship format? Definitely, and I think they're all doing so, to be fair. And, and that, that's what, you know, the, the debate recently about the extra Premier Junior grade, remember all that came from the split season and Munster Council deadlines, meaning divisions didn't have enough time for their programme of games. And that was with their own expressed desire to have group stages. So that's not me saying the division should have group stages. The divisions want group stages and run them when they can. But if you have an 80-team Junior A County Championship in hurley or football, it takes a while to play that down to one team to go into Munster. So that was the reason for the recent change, nothing else. Um, so trust me, the divisions are on board and seek to run group stages. They're, listen, for people like me, they're much easier to run too in terms of administration and that you can set out a programme for a year. You're not waiting till Sunday night to draw your backdoor games for the following weekend. All that is gone. So no, group stages are here to stay. Um, I suppose I'm a special fan of the 12s. I think, look... Asked me five years ago, 16s, 4-4s. Now I see 12 has been completely cutthroat. And completely cutthroat is good for any team go out in the field of play because that's what the G is about. It's, it's about getting as close to knockout as we can while keeping the principle of regular meaningful games. So like you look at Castlehaven playing Clon this year in the Premier Senior Championship, that's a group stage game. It's not knockout. They'll both be out again a few weeks later, but it's almost as good as knockout. And that's the... That's the kind of ground we're trying to land on, where one of them may be um, fatally wounded, let's say, albeit they'll still be standing. So that's why I'm a fan of groups. Um, and I think they, they'll become just commonplace now in all our competitions. I think anyone who saw that Premier Senior Football Championship group of data, or I don't know what you want to call it, with Nemo Rangers and Newstone thrown in there as well, will, will agree what you said there, Kevin. So thank you so, so much for your time today and best of luck for the weeks and months ahead. Thanks, Karen. Best of luck. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about Cultivate Farm Finance. So Avril, maybe just give us a brief introduction to what Cultivate Farm Finance actually is. So Cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout Ireland. Um, West Cork has both Access Credit Union and Bantry Credit Union. Uh, the loan itself is up to 75,000 unsecured. 
uh, for seven years is the max term, but obviously can be uh, personalized and customized to each individual's needs. Um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers and um, because it covers cash flow and machinery purchases, like there's a fertilizer crisis now, as we know. Um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer, depending on their enterprise. Um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan, which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today, how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with, you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly, which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800-839-999. And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. Kieran, let's look at the Cork-Galway game then at Parkerquive on Saturday. Briefly, they face a huge task. Um, they're, host, they're at home, but Galway have won both their league games to date and they'll be confident of picking up another win on Saturday considering Cork's early league form and another talking point that we can look at now is the fact that Keane O'Neill is part of Porrick Joyce's backroom team this season the same Keane O'Neill who was part of Ron McCarthy's backroom team for the last two to three years of his stint in charge of Cork so that's just an interesting talking point I guess worth examining You'd almost argue how much Keane O'Neill could, could tell Galway about Cork, given the, the huge overhaul that the squad That's, has seen in the, in, in, in the last couple of months. But it's just he, won't, he, won't know any of the, he won't know any of the players. It's, 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 such is the, such is the, is the new-look Cork squad at the moment. But it is an interesting kind of side angle. Keane is very vocal with the Cork senior football team over the, the last couple of, of seasons. And, and, and the players enjoyed working with him, talking to some of the Cork footballers who, who worked on, under, under Keane O'Neill. But like you said earlier... Um, Galway come down to Parky Creeve on Saturday as favourites to, to get the win and like I touched earlier I think any result for Cork whether it's a draw or a win would be Jesus dream territory I think it's a bonus it's a bonus point getting into the last three games because that's what it's all about now and those, those final three games it's almost a, a free shot and it's nuts to say it when like Cork go home to Galway in a, in a league game but it's like it's, it's a free shot to pick up a couple of points here if Cork lose People say would be expected that anyway, but if they can get a result, it could kickstart them for the for the next couple of games uh, against Derry. Like um, the E Maguire was back in, he'll be a big addition. Stephen Sherlock started and he got five points, four from play against Derry, and it, it, it's good to see Stephen Sherlock. Hopefully, he's going to get a run of games now for the next for the next four games because he needs to prove himself at inter county level. He was the best club forward in Cork last year in the Premier Senior Football Championship, the top scorer as well. But he needs a run of games to find his feet at senior inter-county level. I think he's I think he's 24 right now. Um, he had a chance before under Ronan McCarthy a couple of years ago, but it just didn't work out. So hopefully this is Stephen Sherlock's time to shine. And it would be great if Sherlock could take inter-county football by the scruff of the neck and just give Cork another option because like we said earlier too, that overlines in Brian Hurley is just not going to work. And then you're looking at the other forwards. They're still so young. Like we're talking about Cork of Last, Rory Dean, Mark Collins, Luke Connolly, um, Michael Hurley, four 
seasoned campaigners at intercounty level, and you're replacing them with young fellas like David Buckley from Eustacetown, Fionn Hurley from Downey's, Mark Cronin from, from Nemo, um, the likes of Cahill Mahoney and Damien Gore have been injured. So, but even at that, uh, Damien Gore and Cahill Mahoney are still young, they're almost unproven at this level. So, you've so many young fellas been asked to step up to senior intercounty, and you're throwing them into a relegation scrap, which is tough on them. So, that's why the likes of if Sherlock can just ease that workload on Hurley and keep that scoreboard ticking over. Um, I think that'll be a plus point going into the, the next couple of games. Because I ask in the Southern Star, um, oh, no, if you had to pick the, the Cork attack for the semi-final against Kerry in a couple of months' time, how many Cork players could you could you pick? You're Brian Hurley, maybe Sherlock, um, you look at David Buckley, you know, you just can't, there's no settled team there. So we'll find that out over, over the next couple of games. So... Going into Galway Saturday night, just a better performance, an improved performance. And the fact that they're home could help, should help. Um, their best performance of the campaign so far came at home to Clare. Hopefully the Cork fans will turn out. It's actually a double header at three o'clock on Saturday evening, Parky Cueve, Cork take on Limerick in the National Camogie League. So um, so we've a Camogie football double header. So hopefully we'll have a, a nice crowd there because like we've talked in this podcast before, this young Cork team needs support. Um, so hopefully we'll have a nice turnout on Saturday and hopefully we'll have a better Cork performance to give us something to build on for the important three games coming up. Kieran, before we wrap, I have an admission to make and that is that I've been listening to another Cork newspaper's GAA podcast. Our friends in the Irish Examiner release a regular GAA podcast and uh, it can be quite good from time to time. I'll give them some credit where it's due. But one of their guests... This week was a Cork ex Cork forward who they could really do it at the moment, and that's Kieran Sheehan. And he was speaking about the current plight of the Cork team, and he made a point which I'm not sure I agree with. I'd be interested to get your take on it. But he made the, the dangerous prediction that this Cork team are too good to get relegated, they're too good to go down. That old cliche, and I have to say I find it very hard to know where he's getting that optimism from. He did make the point that he's a good friend with Keith Ricken and he's a big believer in what Ricken is doing. So he's basically placing his trust in his friend. But have you seen anything in Cork's opening three games to give you the confidence to make a claim such as that? Because what I've seen is a team on a downward trajectory and another loss here on Saturday and they're fighting for their lives. I think results are king here. and Results speak everything. Okay, on paper, this looks like a... a decent Cork team you look at some of the stalwarts there but look at the results so far one point out of three games um, that's not the form of a team that's too good to go down and to play the devil's advocate what could almost save the Cork footballers is that there are worse teams in the division um, you look at the likes of Offaly and Down maybe there are two teams that are amongst the favourites to go down as well so I wouldn't say that Cork were too good to go down. Um, even listen to Kevin O'Donovan just talking earlier. He said that right now Cork are a mid-division two level team or, or worse or bottom um, is what he said. So like that's that's where Cork are right now. Like They're not in the top half of division two. They're a bottom half division two team. And there's that much between the two teams there. So are Cork too good to go down? No, no, they're not. Cork could go down. Cork could easily go down. If Cork lose to Galway on... On Saturday, and then if they lose away to Meade, they're going to the last two games at one point, and then Cork could be staring at relegation there. So 
there is class players in that Cork team. Look at Ian McGuire could slot into any any team in the country. The same goes for for Sean Poulter. Uh, Sean Meehan is a fine player. Brian Hurley, like you, very very good players dotted all around that team. But it's a team trying to find its identity, trying to find its culture, trying trying to find out who it is. Um, so I, I wouldn't agree with that. Not not, not yet. Um, I think we judged them after the league, but given what we've seen so far, like there is a real danger Cork could be relegated. Yeah, well, on that very cheery, positive, optimistic note, we're going to wrap up this bonus edition of the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday with a regular episode. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tomlin.